Hey guys, welcome to a new format, a new show here in Outsided Music. Today we're talking a little bit about a top 10 list. Uh, the top 10 list is for the Spotify playlist that we've been putting out every month since January. Uh, there's a great uh, trumpet player and former student of mine, and he has been working for Outsided Music on and off uh, for the last year, two years, maybe even three years and been doing a lot of great work for us and has taken over since January the This Is Jazz playlist. The This Is Jazz playlist is on Outside of Music's Spotify account and you can find the links to that on our socials. You can find the links to the to the Spotify uh, playlist on Facebook. You can just search on Spotify Outside of Music uh, and find us and go to the playlist section. Um, but we're talking here all about the 10 records from May 2018 um, that came out and it were new releases and that caught our attention and so Alan and I are talking a bit about uh, those records and where to check who's on them and where how to check them out and why we thought they were interesting and uh, I think it's super fun and informative and it's a little bit of a longer episode but I'm really looking forward to these going forward I w we weren't sure how the format would turn out but it was a fun conversation and I think we're going to keep it going so let us know in the comments below uh, what you're thinking about if uh, you if you want to submit anything for the playlist go ahead and send it to info at outsideofmusic.com this is a spotify based playlist so it has to be on spotify to be considered uh, if it's not on spotify it doesn't mean that your record's not great it just means that we can't feature it on our spotify playlist so without further ado here comes a conversation with alan blanchard and we're talking about this is jazz playlist on Spotify from Outside in Music. So out on Thursday, May 31st, we have our latest edition of the This Is Jazz playlist, and Alan Blanchard is here to uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the tracks that he chose for this month's uh, edition of the playlist. What's going on, Alan? How are you? Good. How about you, Nick? I'm doing good. So uh, why don't you see if you can give us a little bit of a rundown of uh, what's happening this month and talk about some of the tracks maybe you can uh start how many did you pick this month for the playlist uh i think i did 10 all right so let's see if we can go backwards kind of do like a old school countdown kind of situation here okay um obviously this is uh an, your your opinion of some of the new releases that came out and just to give some people some context could you tell people a little bit about yourself where you're based out of and what you're up to these days <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm currently, you know, doing my master's at uh, Florida State University uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. I did my undergrad at Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, and I'm just, you know, studying school. I've, um, you know, just practicing and writing where I can. I certainly come from a more, you know, tr traditional straight-ahead mindset, I guess you could put it, um, as, as far as my my playing history and what i generally like so that helps you know people understand i guess where my biases are totally um uh, yeah that's great so i know you've been doing this for a couple months and people may or may not have checked it out but it's on spotify it's called the this is jazz today playlist you can find it if you just go to the search bar on spotify type in this is Jess today. Type it outside of music. You'll find it. Or just, you know, check out our social channels. You can find a link there. So um, was there a lot of new releases this month or was it kind of slim pickings? Um, I think it's kind of it's kind of died down a little bit. 
you know, around March and April was where uh, I remember there was one time I had to ask you, I was like, hey, you know, Nick, I got like 15 or 16 tracks. Is that cool? And you're like, no, you know, it's trying to somewhat down a little bit. So, you know, it's kind of like the beginning of the year right now where there weren't ton of uh, ton of new releases, especially those by, you know, I guess you could say larger names or something um, that were easier to find online. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's just because uh, of the nature of when people like to put stuff out. So it's available for, you know, summer tours and summer festival season and all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, all right, well, let's jump right in. So what do you got for number 10? Uh, number 10, I have this track. Uh, it's the title track of the album. Music is life uh, in parentheses live it. Uh, and it's by it's off of Dave McMurray's album, a great tenor sax player. Um, and, you know, I, I was drawn to this one because it's definitely not inside my 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 normal wheelhouse, uh -huh. but it fit criteria that I'm always listening to when I try and listen to uh, something in jazz or whatnot. And that's basically is like how it feels, you know, how the how the the groove is set up. Um, and it was really interesting because this has like a lot of a uh, a Detroit or or like Motown type feel to it. Um you know, based upon like his band and where he's from and whatnot. And the entire album is like this nod to Detroit. And so it just happened that I, I was listening through uh, and this one caught my eyes, you know, it's a pianoless album. So, so it's literally just bass drums and saxophone. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was great. He, he does a lot of, a lot of stuff on it. That's, that's more uh, rhythmic ideas rather than necessarily, you know, playing in and out of all this language. Oh, sure. Nice. Uh, and that looks like it's a, a Blue Note record based on the cover. Uh, so that's cool. I, I don't. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was on a Blue Note. Yeah, I see some of these other records of his here, but I am not super familiar. So I have to check that one out. So uh, let's keep on moving. So number nine, what do you have for number nine? Uh, number nine, um, you know, I'm a trumpet player, so I'm always trying to find new trumpet players that, you know, aren't the big names or whatnot. Uh, and there's this guy who's been up in Boston forever playing at this local jazz club, uh, Wally's, um, which is historically well known for, for many years. It's, so it's Jason Palmer on, uh, he put out two volumes, Live at Wally, Wally's Volume 1 and Volume 2, which was a live record he recorded, I think, in 2016. Um, it's just not getting released. Uh, it, you know, it was it was a great tune. He he stretches out a lot on it, which is cool because you can hear you know his virtuosic playing and and he he really just uh, has a great technical facility over the horn. And so I picked the tune off the record, "Stop, Drop, and Roll," um, <laughs> partially because it had a really killing trumpet solo. I thought, um, but it's, you know, it's a great band uh, led up front by a trumpet and tenor sax, and then uh, guitar and Rhodes, which is kind of cool because through the record sometimes the sound of the guitar and the roads kind of blend together mm -hmm. um so it's definitely it's it's difficult sometimes pulling them apart which gives a really nice uh, dense sound behind it you know because it's it's like almost the guitar player the whatever amps or or, or sound that it chose for is more is less of like that hollow body guitar sound so it's a little bit more electric and then, of course, you know, Fender Rose is definitely more electric. Um, so that gives, like, a really nice uh, palette 
for Jason Palmer to play over. And honestly, in some ways, he kind of reminded me of, a, of another great trumpet player, Theo Crocker, mm -hmm. which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, so that's that's why that one stuck out to me. And I, I think it's a he's a great find for me personally. Where did you first come across uh, Jason and his music? Um, it was kind of like going through the wormholes of mm -hmm. YouTube videos from one trumpet player to another trumpet player. Um, I think it started, uh, I actually found Jason Palmer before this month and it was, I was, you know, on YouTube, just typing in some standard, um, and going through like all the related videos to, to try and find different versions on it. And, you know, I always want to hear a trumpet player playing the standard, at least in some way. Sure. Um, so he came up with like a, like a bootleg video someone had caught at the club. Um, and so when, you know, when it was going around here, it was like, Spotify suggested, oh, you've checked out, you know, Jason Palmer, and it just so happened that he had a new release this month. So it was a great find overall. Nice, yeah, because I'm pretty sure he's still based in Boston. All the, a lot of these guys on here that I see on this uh, discography here are all Boston guys, and so uh, it's cool that uh, you're able to find find Jason, and I, he's done a lot of really cool things. But uh, okay, cool. So let's keep on rolling. Let's go with number eight here. What'd you have? Okay, so for number eight, I picked uh, Tia Fuller's new record, Diamond Cut. Uh, in Office, I picked a great tune that um, I personally discovered through Coltrane, and that's where I fell in love with it, Soul Eyes. Um, sure. You know, for me, <laughs> uh, and again, my biases, I've always had a issue with finding alto players who I'm, like, very obsessed with their tone. Because with a lot, you know, it's it's bright and whatnot. It's just not the timbre that my ear normally gravitates to. Um, but, you know, my friend had been talking about Tia Fuller so much and Tia Fuller, and they, they're talking about if, uh, you know, going to go see Tia Fuller. And so finally I, I checked out Tia Fuller, and I just absolutely loved her sound. Um, and so I was checking out this new record, and it's, you know, completely stacked. Um, it's produced by Terry Lynn Carrington, the great drummer who actually played on this track. Um, Dave Holland is on this track. And then there's a, a great guitar player, Adam Rogers. I'm not familiar with him, but, you know, he sounds killing. And it's just they set up between Dave Holland and, and Terry Lee Carrington, they set up this great groove and foundation of able to, you know, go one direction, but you know, at the drop of a needle, go some other direction while Tia Fuller just plays over this tune beautifully. Um, and, and like I said, you know, not being someone that listens to a lot of alto saxophone, I was very caught off guard and, you know, just loved it uh, completely. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, it's been a little while since I've checked out Tia. I saw her somewhere here in the city a while back, but I'll have to check it out again. But as a side note, Adam Rogers, you should definitely know about Adam Rogers. He he's, he plays with, like, Chris Potter, and he used to play with Michael Brecker and just a whole crazy uh, history of stuff that he's done. So he's definitely uh, somebody worth knowing about. Um, yeah, that's why I love doing this. You know, I always find these people that I just don't know. <laughs> right. And it, it helps me make an educated decision on, like, where to guide my listening and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm glad that you're finding some people you don't know about. That's always awesome. Yeah. So let's keep on rolling. So we have Tia Fuller, Diamond Cut, and now... On to number, what number are we on here? Ten, nine, eight, seven. <laughs> yeah, so seven is off of uh, Tim Warfield's new album, uh, Jazzland, and it's this great Donald Brown tune. 
um, called Theme for Malcolm. So I have been following Tim Warfield and whatnot since he came down here two years ago. Mm-hmm. And he performed um, Love Supreme with us. And while he was down here, we got to talking a lot and discussing about his history of playing and whatnot. And, and when he was with Nicholas Payton, and now he's he's very commonly seen uh, in front of the band with Terrell Stafford, who's a great trumpet player, someone I'm very fond of in his playing. Um, so it's a pleasure to see this album come out with, again, Terrell Stafford in it and a great band. There's actually no bass player, but instead it's just brought up by uh, Pat Biondi. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. Yeah, that's playing Hammond 3 mm-hmm. And so that was cool because... You know, it's not your regular piano. It's filling the role of both the bass and that. So organ, definitely a plus whenever that happens. Um, and it's just all centered in what Tim Moorfield was talking about while he's here, where he always focuses on the groove of a song and the different directions the groove can be taken, um, which was great seeing, you know, being able to listen to something and see, like, practically, this is what he was talking about when he was here with us. And all in all, you know, great solos from Tim Warfield on, on tenor and soprano sax on the album. He played soprano on this track. Terrell Stafford, bad dude. Great <laughs> solos on that. It's a great band all the way around. That's really interesting. Is there anything more specifically you could talk about in terms of what you meant or what he meant or how you perceived it about, like, expanding the groove or different directions with the groove and how you felt that that was happening on this on this track? Yeah, he gave, um, so when he was down here, he gave, you know, like a master class of saxophones, and, and I, I came in to set it, and his big thing was he said that when he, uh, you know, partially from when he was playing with Nicholas Payton, and when he was coming up, he always talked, like, tried to figure out different ways to approach things. So he was, he even had some people up in the in the room, and they would play through a melody, but they could only play, you know, four notes of the melody. And then it would be the next person would pick up with the next four notes of the melody, et cetera. Um, so he did that. And then I think if I remember, he took a, like a simple tune, like now's the time or something. Um, and he, he was experimenting with trying to have certain people um, put like underlying rhythms underneath it, whether it was like a dotted quarter note or, or something else. And it's, it's kind of cool because it, to me, it came off with the idea of like, having an ostinato like rhythmic figure in your mind when you're approaching a tune, which I've come to find I enjoy in a lot of people that I listen to when they do it. It's found my way into the compositions that I try and do. Um, so it was, it was really good. And I like that he takes this very um, big picture approach to playing a tune rather than getting so caught up in just going through and playing, you know, whatever harmonies and whatnot. You know, he obviously plays the changes, but having a, a more macro perspective on the tune and the general shape of it and the, the rhythmic ideas of it is what really sticks to me, out to me about his playing. And even his compositions when he was here and we were playing some of his originals. Nice. Well, that's really great. And it's not all the time that, you know, you get to actually see it in the real world or in a real situation. It's things that, you know, people talk about when they're educating as well. So that's really cool. Uh, let's uh, keep on rolling. So we're up to number six now. Yeah, so number six is definitely uh, far out of my wheelhouse of anything I would normally come across. 
um, which was really interesting. It's this great album by Dave Holland that he just released called Uncharted Territories. Um, I personally picked the first track on it, Thought on Earth, but this is like a two-CD, 23-track album. Oh. Um, and they supposedly, if I understand correctly, they just went in and recorded this this album over like three days or something, and it didn't have... It, it, was, it was free jazz, as you want to call it, or, or there's no this is how we're going to go with it. And you can see that when they're going through the, the tracks, like some of the tracks are just called tenor, piano, bass, two, or T2. And so, the, you know, they're explaining that breaks down. It's tenor, bass, piano, Tuesday, take two. And it's just interesting how they approach it. It starts off with, uh, you know, Dave Holland and Evan Parker playing tenor, which are the two main uh, voices, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. The bass kind of takes on a present role as a melodic figure, and they're they're kind of trading off this more uh, spiritual type um, uh, approach, and it's it kind of reminded me almost a little bit of like when when John Coltrane caught, kind of got into his more spiritual side, like around Love Supreme and past that, um, and then so there's percussion played by Chess Smith. And then Craig Taborn is playing piano, and it was it was really cool because they start off the track with uh, Chess Smith actually playing. I, I think it's bells, uh, a bell kit, and it's, that mixed with the piano is like this cascading effect going behind it. And then from there, it just kind of goes, you know, more spontaneous. And then it'll come back for a little bit into to a quasi like form or groove, I guess you could put it. And then it'll go back you know, right back out and then it'll come back in. And it's kind of like this never ending, just like wave of ideas at risk of sounding uh, cheesy or anything. And it was, it was very um, in entrancing almost to try and to try and follow and, and hear where they were going. And it was, you know, it was something that I didn't expect myself to be that much into and something that I haven't been much into in the past, but you know, it definitely caught my eye and, I got to go back and finish listening to this album because it's very long, <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's great. It's great. Definitely recommend it for anyone that's trying to check out maybe what more of a, um, a free jazz vibe might be in a, put in a, in a modern context where they worry more maybe about textures and, and uh, thematic ideas rather than necessarily a, a strict form. Sure. Sure. Nice. That's a good, uh, a good, breaking up of of things and so now i see above that number five some pretty famous names here oh yeah we are back to uh (laughs) straight ahead i guess you could call it a little bit with the great fred Hurst trio album um from live in europe that he just released um and i it's this entire album is based off of Thelonious monk um which you know here at florida state we study a lot of Thelonious Monk. And so it just happened that um, this past year in an ensemble I'd been in, we had been working on We See a Lot, and so that was the, the tune that caught my eye and was listening to it because, uh, you know, it almost has, like, it, it's kind of like a mix between Monk and a piano trio and almost, like, the sensitivity of a Keith Jarrett piano trio sure. where stuff can change so rapidly, but they're all so quick to catch on and take it somewhere else. Um, you know, and I was listening to it and I was 
it, the first A sections there, they're doing it not normal, but it's it's pretty self-evident. Like, okay, this is one way to interpret it. And then they get to the bridge and they just change it so drastically with um, what Fred Hirsch is doing behind it with his like his left hand. And that's you know that kind of caught my attention just listening to it and where. They, they take Weesey, and then it turns into something that just doesn't sound like Weesey, but then it always comes back uh, to Weesey. And, you know, I've been a huge fan of uh, listening to piano trios and smaller groups like that because of it might lend itself uh, a little bit easier to try and do those type of moves in a context. Um, so, yeah, great, great album, and it, it's always great to hear new interpretations on this, you know, um, repertoire that we see so standardized or that's become so popular and so many different interpretations of it. Totally. Did you happen to see uh, or find out where this is recorded? I just see it's live in Europe. I haven't. Um, I know that they were on tour for a little bit in Europe, so I don't know if it was several concerts um, or if they recorded, you know, and then took the best takes or whatnot. Um, I didn't find that exactly, but I just know it was from live in Europe, like the album says. Cool, very, very cool. Uh, so now on to number four. Yeah, so number four is uh, Joey Alexander. You know this this fourteen year old. Oh, he's fourteen um, now. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> a lot younger than me. Um, <laughs> child prodigy or whatever, how you want to put it. Um, it's off his new album, Eclipse, uh, and it just so happened that the track that I picked to, mostly because he's 14, is called 14 on the record. Oh, okay. um, and it features a great tenor saxophone player that I've been a huge fan of, Joshua Redman, on it. Um, and then, I mean, the rest of the band is Ruben Rogers on bass and Eric Carland on drums. You know, what more could you want? It's a pretty good band. Um, yeah, <laughs> certainly, certainly pretty good band. Um, and so, you know, I thought it was interesting because I, I kind of see it uh, with it being called 14 as maybe a uh, a comparison to how busy his life has been as a 14-year-old. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit quicker than a lot of the other stuff, but it it's just incredible. You know, the entire album, there's tons of tunes I could have picked off here that go different sides of the spectrum he has blackbird on here you know uh, a um a reference to the beatles and in that sense the very thought of you again with joshua redmond on here he has uh a tune called bali which is which is more influential of the bali culture and then he has another tune that's more um that you would see in a in a, in a church setting and in a, in a church type playing and it's just the it just blows my mind for what what experience he has and and how i mean really how young he is and he's just able to go from such opposite sides of the spectrum he doesn't have just a small wheelhouse and i'm never it's not predictable it's not like i'm seeing him cut out some formula and doing it and obviously other great people are thinking the same too or you wouldn't be having you know eric carlin <laughs> ruben rogers josh redmond on your album Exactly. So it was, it was a real enjoyment to uh, listen to. Excellent. I haven't checked out this record yet. I've checked out some of the old, the older Joey Alexander, but I'll have to uh, All right. have to hear this one. And how about number three? 
All right, so number three is uh, Eddie Henderson's uh, new record, Be Cool. Um, I picked, again, another tune off there that I had um, learned about through John Coltrane, Naima. And I think this record is off of uh, Smoke Sessions. Mm -hmm. So the band is fantastic, man. They get, it has a great, another uh, saxophone player I love, Donald Harrison. Uh, Kenny Barron, who's one of my favorite pianists. Um, Essay, Essay, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And then Mike Clark on drums. Um, so, man, just without even looking at the entire band, just listening to the tune for face value, you know, alto solo, kill. Trumpet solo, kill. Like a piano solo. And that's something that I think is really big deal for me when listening to a lot of these records is is, is the energy um, the same throughout all the solos? You know, is everyone bringing it to the table? Is it not just a record? Like this one person is killing the game and then everyone else is like, oh, okay, you know? Um, and so they set up this whole vibe with it. And it's just interesting too, because, you know, a lot of these guys share, I don't, I don't think they were in the band at the same time, but a lot of these guys share um, learning and being a part of Herbie Hancock's stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Eddie Henderson with his Mwandishi band, uh, Mike Clark, if I remember, joined the band shortly after Rocket, I think. Uh, he's, so he's, he's on Headhunters. Yeah. So like, it's just it's it's interesting seeing how this someone else that's mutual, but they weren't a part of together, has influenced the way that they're gonna play together. Then on a different album, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's just a great tune. I partially biased because i'm always trying to check out trumpet players and whatnot and eddie henderson is a is a bad dude and it's great to see him release new you know new songs and new records um with other <laughs> great musicians you know and you know always a fan of kenny Barron on here who who plays great and then yeah yeah i i don't really know what else to say man it's just it's really just the solos and the, and the instrumentalists on here. And they're able to get together and put together such a vibe. And then when it's their time to shine, I mean, they shine. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. All right, we're almost there. Let's jump up to number two now uh, from a new... All right. So, Go ahead. Yeah, so the number two is off of uh, this record with an interesting name, Seymour Reads the Constitution. It's from the Brad Meldow trio, and uh, it's their take on the famous tune Beatrice. Mm -hmm. uh, it's off of uh, None Such Records, I think. Um, yeah, so I'm always a huge fan of Brad Meldow. I really um, got caught up in his playing with his Live in Marciac album mm -hmm. um, and all of his stuff. And I'm originally with like a lot of what he does solo piano-wise, but his trio is again stacked it's you know brad Meldon on piano jeff ballard on drums larry grenadier on bass mm -hmm. and personally i just i love the tune beatrice i first heard it um from joe henderson the state of the tenor live at the village vanguard where he starts off doing it a uh, duo with ron carter great tune and from there i've only checked out tons of other versions of it and brad Meldow, you know his way of phrasing a melody and implying or or even putting 
other harmonies underneath the melody mm -hmm. as transition chords and, and going from one way to another is just what blows my mind and how he can take, you know, a tune that you think you know very well and put changes on it that don't even sound that much different, but it gives the tune this whole other sound. And often a lot of the tunes that draw my, um, appeal from him it, he gives like this dark and, and rich harmony underneath it and they just do a great job doing this and taking it in that brad meldow way where they start you know applying other rhythm ideas and and very uh in, intense playing all and but then they bring it back to such simplicity at the end and overall just a, a real pleasure to listen to and uh a great interpretation of of that famous uh song nice did you happen to find out any of the story behind the title because I really need to go and investigate this. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I know I talked to you about, it yeah. seems that Brad Meadow always has very interesting albums or uh, like covers and, and titles and whatnot. And I kept trying to Google like, you know, what, what, what is this? Yeah. Um, I think, and, and I might be wrong, of course, but I think when I when I hear Seymour reads the Constitution, I think of like one of those children's books mm -hmm. where it's like so and so does something for the first time, and so I'm wondering if he thinks it's because people are becoming more um, aware and and are starting to to take more of a of um, take it more upon themselves to really be aware of like what's in the Constitution, what their rights are mm -hmm. as an individual. Um, because even on the album cover, it's like a shopping cart of a bunch of like law books and, and historical books like that. So I think that's I, I think that's what it is. Is it's it, he's kind of making a reference to how people are becoming self-aware of more of what they are owed as, I mean, as people and and whatnot. But again, I could be far off. <laughs> but that's just what my head gravitates to when I when I see something like that. You know, because I remember growing up and reading like or seeing these kids' books that were like. You know, Billy bakes cookies or whatever for the first time. You know, and all this <laughs> stuff. So I think that's kind of the play on it. Yeah. No, I think I think you're probably right. Amazing. So uh, people can go and investigate that and make their own educated decisions there. And now we've come all the way from number ten to the last one, number one. And so what did you pick there? Yeah, I picked uh, Kenny Barron Quintet's new record, Cocentric Circles. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Kenny Barron. He put out a trio record in 2016 with the same trio on this, Jonathan Blake on drums. And I hope I can pronounce this correctly, Kiyoshi Kitakawa on bass. Mm -hmm. And so that was great. Uh, it's called Book of Intuition. And then he adds to this, and he says that he's been wanting to work with a quintet for a long time because he just loves writing. You know, and with a quintet, he can write more. So he brings in Mike Rodriguez on trumpet and Dana Stevens on sax. And the tune I picked was Blue Waters off of here. And man, it just has literally everything I look for in a tune. It great groove there. It's constantly centered with like, it, it just feels good. You know, there's a great vibe. It's a very bluesy and a soulful tune, which, it, you know, is a personal preference of mine. And man, again, bias, but the trumpet solo on here is killing. I remember when I first listened to it, um, I didn't know everybody on the record, 
but it, man, it sounded, it reminded me of Terrell Safford, who is someone that I'm a, a very big fan of, and I've checked out a lot of his stuff. And I went back to find out it was this guy, Mike Rodriguez. Um, and man, it is a great record. It has, you know, there's been some people that come out and they say, you know, well, Jazz Today doesn't swing or whatever, you know. Don't worry about that. This record is great. It has the best for all the people that, that want the straight ahead. It has that vibe. It has the people that are more fan to the modern jazz and, and to the stuff. It isn't necessarily straight ahead swing. And it does all of that while staying true to just being, you know, bringing the blues, bringing like soulful playing into the music and being very melodic with what they're doing. And it's just, it just seems that they were all so much on the same page as how they felt they wanted this album to be perceived and how, you know, what, how they wanted to approach each tune. And it's, it's a real treat to listen to when a, when a band has, you know, all is coming together for the same goal and the same thought on songs rather, rather than bringing their own perspectives to it. You know, that's great, but it's, it's cool when they're all pitching in towards this, this shared common idea, because then you're getting different perspectives approaching the same idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's amazing. So yeah, definitely a great, great album. Uh, it's on blue note and yeah, just completely blows you away. That's why I put it, you know, at number one this week. Nice. I think it's actually on Decca Records. It said that's what it says oh. here. Those are good. It looks like a. It does look like a Blue Note cover though. So they're definitely going for that, that vibe. There, and uh, so that's our, the top ten for. What well, this is for May, right? For May twenty eighteen, yep. and I'm sure I remember looking at this, maybe a week ago, and the tracks were in a different order. So it's not necessarily that like, one is better than the next, but it's. 10 great tracks that Alan kind of curated this month. Um, I know you said you were toying back and forth between Brad Meldow or Eddie Henderson or Kenny Barron for that number one slot. So uh, I'm glad that you found that. I'm glad you found Mike Rodriguez because uh, he's uh, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Alan, for sharing some of, uh, some of your thoughts on these records. And we'll be back again next month to, to share – june's releases with uh, with everybody yeah man thanks for thanks for having me do it of course